to Welcome to Storybrooke. I'm Tina. And I'm Max. This is actually Welcome to Welcome to the Hallwell Manor. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And we are here to discuss Season 5, Episode 3 of Once Upon a Time. Happily Ever After. Colon Charmed. No, sorry. This is this is the Charmed Fairy Tale episode. Okay. This episode walked so that Once Upon a Time could run. I'm going to say something possibly controversial. I mean, not really because it's an opinion, although God knows if the internet has taught us anything. <laughs> it's that opinions can be controversial. Right. This is the what opinion will have you like Finn with all the swords pointed at him. Yeah. Or whatever new horrifying permutation it has. I feel like that's still the one we're doing for this particular thing. Mm. There's this weird new one where it's Lois Griffin being led to like a executioner stand that I've seen a couple of times, but I'm like... I am thrilled to say that hasn't come across my feed yet yeah i do not like it i'm like Ugh. and it it's it's obviously fan art and i'm like this feels weird i i don't i don't care for this i'm not going to reblog any of these well i'm also very excited to say that personally i am able to spend less time on twitter recently because i am on blue sky now Ooh, yeah jealous so jealous yeah as soon as i have an invite i will send it to you i don't you have to like I don't know how long you have to be on the site before they let you have invites. I don't have any yet. Anyway, my uh, my opinion is that this is one of my favorite episodes of Charmed, if not my actual favorite episode of Charmed. Okay, I was not ready for that. I thought your I thought your unpopular opinion was going to be that it was a good episode, not your favorite episode. Yeah, no, I'm not. I would definitely not argue that this is a good episode of Charmed, although it's a very enjoyable episode of Charmed, which really, I mean, isn't that kind of what we're... Yeah, I, mean, I, I know you probably don't like it that much because Paige is barely in it, but... You know, I... You bring up a good point, which is that as we're watching, I'm like, this is so bad. But then when it was done, you were like, but I really enjoyed it. And, that it, like, checking in with myself, like, like doing that kind of body scan check-in, I'm like, oh, yeah, I did enjoy it. It's just terrible. Oh, yeah. No, it's genuinely terrible, but, like... Phoebe's Cinderella dress, the like evil fairy tale witch queen. I, yeah. Grams, this is a Grams heavy episode. Oh my god, there's 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 a little Red Riding Hood. There's Big Bad Wolf. Doesn't this really make you just want to go rewatch Into the Woods? The pro shot, not the obviously not the Disney movie. The Disney movie just makes me want to go watch Once Upon a Time. Okay, so. Yes. So it wasn't until I listened to the I Will Fight You episode about Into the Woods that I realized the very, very, very obvious dick that the wolf has. You never noticed that? I never noticed that. I And it's really obvious. And yet I never noticed it until they mentioned it. And then I looked at the costume and I'm like, holy shit, you can you can totally see that wolf's dick. There's actually an interview floating out there somewhere. I don't remember if it's with the costumer or the producer or the director, but they talked about how they had to calibrate the size of the wolf's dick because at first it was too big, and when the wolf, like, stopped moving, the dick kept, like, swinging like a pendulum for, like, a full minute after the wolf stopped moving, and it was too distracting. Everyone was laughing too much. So they had to make it, like, smaller and smaller, but not so small that it wasn't a joke anymore, but, but small enough that it wasn't, like overtaking the rest of the scene 
well, I mean, it apparently worked on me because I didn't notice it until it was pointed out. But that's the size that they were like, okay, that's small enough. Yeah, yeah. Next time you're watching the pro shot of Into the Woods, know that initially the dick was bigger than that. Jesus Christ. This is not got to be really weird to hear for people who haven't watched the pro shot of Into the Woods, which, by the way, I highly, highly recommend everyone do. Oh, yeah, it's so good. Also, the best thing about the Disney movie of Into the Woods, which I do not recommend, like, it's one of those things where, yeah, why don't don't watch the movie when there is a readily available... Better version of it. Yeah. The only good thing I will say about the movie is I was watching it with a friend who has never seen the stage play before, had never seen the stage play before, and it was so fun to turn to her after the finale of Act One and be like, this is only halfway done. There's a whole nother act after this. That's one of my favorite things about Into the Woods. It's harder to do that in a play, though, because you're like, well, I, I know we haven't had an intermission yet. We're only halfway through. Unless you're doing Into the Woods Junior, which just stops after the first act. That blows my mind. It's, it's not even Into the Woods at that point. What are we doing here? Well, we're not talking about this episode of Charmed, which is what we should be doing here. <laughs> we and, are... and instead, we talked about wolf dicks for like five minutes. I feel like... We're more on track than usual talking about wolf dicks. Yeah, anyway, this is the fairy tale episode of Charmed. Yes, it opens with Holly Marie Combs reading a fairy tale at gunpoint. I mean, as we have mentioned many times, Holly Marie Combs is like head and shoulders above everyone else in the acting department usually, but she is phoning in reading to her fetus. Yeah, yeah, she's reading Snow White. And she is not enjoying it. Paige is like, do you want me to just make a potion? Yeah, she's... A potion to do what? Well, the reason Piper's reading the book is because she's been having trouble sleeping. And Paige is like, well, don't read that gross book of fairy tales because fairy tales are gross, everyone. I know I was super into that fairy tale about the evil enchantress that was my past life, but no, fairy tales are stupid. Just let me, like, brew up a magic potion to help you sleep. And Piper does not mention personal gain. Oh, yeah, that's true. She just says she doesn't want her her fetus to be experimented on with, with Paige's experimental potions. Yeah, her hair's orange. Who knows? Piper might not have a brunette child, which she doesn't. Did we talk last week about her, her hair? Yeah, yeah, we did about how the hair was... Paige messed up a spell and now she has red hair instead of just she dyed it like Phoebe did. But. Yeah. I, I want to point out that... This is a magical family. Mm -hmm. Reading to your fetus from a book of fairy tales when you are a magical family is just has has just as much chance of going awry as a potion that your very talented potion making sister brews up. Mm. I also okay. I, I'm sorry. I was not talking about something that we really should talk about right now specifically because I wanted to save it for my time freeze but it's too big of a deal to not talk about it right now okay and that is the idea that oh fairy tales are a bad message they teach girls that they need a big strong prince to save them and that they should give up their voice for a man and all this stuff yes that is that is the thrust of Paige's objection to Piper reading uh, well I was going to say to her like, the, that fetus is not picking up any of that. But I guess uh, Wyatt 
spoiler alert, it's Wyatt can uh, heal from the womb, so maybe he is more conscious. Yeah. Of what's going on. I tried to be careful about that kind of stuff. I felt like our daughter was picking up stuff when I was pregnant. I mean, okay, that might be... She's like two months pregnant at this point, right? Like... Yeah. She's saying it's very early. Okay. I, I I relate to her feeling like you only want them to have, like, good things going in. Piper says a thing which people say about a lot of stuff which I have a I have issues with, but... Piper's like, fairy tales are good, and this is this is an important thing for the episode. They teach you morals to do the right thing. And I'm like, I usually hear this where people talk about, you know, it's a thing people say where they're like, superhero comics taught me morality. The X-Men taught me not to be racist or whatever. And I'm like, that speaks really badly of your parents. Like... I don't feel like you should need Rogue being like, Remy, I can't control my powers to be like, huh, maybe I shouldn't be racist. Well, you are right that that does speak poorly of parents. I I think that a lot of families where parents come from a place of privilege don't have those conversations with their kids. So their kids need to understand the reality of people from other backgrounds by reading about it because their parents don't have that ongoing conversation. You're right, that's a failure of the parents, but it's not uncommon. I'm just saying, I developed my morality the old-fashioned way by internalizing guilt at a very young age. Okay, see, I thought you were going to go a different direction with this, which is that fairy tales are not about teaching morals. My God, have you read a fairy tale? No, fairy tales are about being interesting enough that a child will listen, but boring enough soporific enough that a child will be lulled to sleep right Mm -hmm. that's why you have so much repetition in fairy tales like the ball that happens over three nights and things like that the three little pigs you'll see a lot of threes because that's the right number for this sort of thing yeah although god knows little bunny foo-foo is the worst thing ever written i don't understand that at all i don't know what we're doing here I also want to do a nod to Neil Gaiman, and well, this is probably more aspirational than actually true, I do love his quote, which is, uh, I'm going to paraphrase it here because I didn't bring it up or anything before I brought this up, but it's, uh, nobody masturbates in the DC universe, which explains a lot. No, he did say that, but that's not what I'm talking about. (laughs) He said fairy tales don't exist to tell children that dragons are real. Children know dragons are real. Fairy tales exist to tell children that dragons can be defeated. Yes. I love that quote. Even though I'm not sure how accurate that is, having read fairy tales. It's okay, though. It's okay. It's okay. It's fine. It's fine. So Paige is like, yeah, well, if you want to totally fuck up your kid by reading about, you know, little girls being eaten by big bad wolves, go for it. I'm not having any part of this. And she walks out of the attic. We should point out that you said, you know, Wyatt, we know it's Wyatt. Yeah. We know that the child is going to be Wyatt, but the charmed, not the charmed ones, but the the Hallowells have traditionally only given birth to women. Mm-hmm. So Piper is certain that she is having a daughter. So she's especially concerned with the ideas of the patriarchy. Yeah, I guess the Warren line was all women, right? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Huh. Another interesting parallel to stuff that's happening right now, by the way. Yeah. And, and, and again, another time freeze. In the 90s, when I was a child, 
there was kind of this push and pull with, should you let your girls play with Barbies? Because is that reinforcing the patriarchy? Mm. And now we have Greta Gerwig's movie coming out that's like, fuck that. Let me, let me tell you how fucking empowering Barbie can be. And I saw this thing on... You really don't want to talk about this episode, do you? Opposite! <laughs> Opposite! This episode is hitting on a lot of stuff for me that I'm wanting to bring up. Like, I told you I want this to be a time freeze. It's like watching Paige complain about what lesson fairy tales were going to teach to her niece has unlocked all these memories of being a girl child in the 90s and how, like, treacherous it was to be being raised by people who were second wave feminists who were like, yes, it's important that we teach you to grow up and pursue life in a masculine manner because that's how you get ahead. You should know that little girls can grow up to be as masculine as they want, but we will still deride anything that's feminine coded. And that was the stage feminism was at when I was a child. And so there's, like, a lot of, like, head fuckery that happens when you're a girl growing up in that. In fact, the first time I felt like I saw a push against that, it blew my mind. And that was the movie Legally Blonde. Mm. Where the power comes from things that are feminine coded. I don't remember where this quote's from and it doesn't exactly fit that. But it what what you're saying just really reminded me of this quote, which is when people are constantly telling you all the time that you can be anything, it makes it feel like you can't. Okay, so I have seen people say that, and while I respect that, I think that that quote does not take into account that, no, there is still a lot of messaging to women that they cannot do things. Mm. Like, that we're not we're not past the point beyond needing that messaging. We're not to the point where women don't get messaging that they cannot do certain things. And Well, I think it was more about the specificity of girls can do X. And it's like, you felt like you needed to go out of your way to tell me that girls can do X. Well, so uh, one of the books that we read to our daughter a lot that she loved a lot when she was a toddler uh, was Feminist Baby. Mm-hmm. She still sometimes selects that to be read. Yes. But one of the one of the sections of that book that really bothers me is... Feminist baby likes pink and blue. Feminist baby plays with dolls and cars. And it's like, she likes the things that are feminine coded and masculine coded. She likes the toys that are for girls and the toys that are for boys. And it's like, well, how about if we just don't gender toys? Hmm. How about if we don't gender colors? And when I read the book, I try to like have that be the tone of my voice, right? Feminist baby likes pink and blue. Yes, not pink and blue. Right, exactly. So Sometimes she'll throw up on you. Yes, because it's a rhyming book. So, yeah, I, I see what you're saying there. But also, there is still a lot of patriarchal messaging that, you know, you have to shrug off. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm in my 40s, right? So that's the era I grew up in. I, I don't want to speak to the experiences of people older or younger than me. I'm, I can only speak to, like, what it was like growing up in the 90s as a woman, as a girl. Uh but I just recently saw the heroine's journey. Okay. A counterpoint to Joseph Campbell's hero's journey. Mm-hmm. Which is specifically about kind of uh, the masculine and the feminine and this kind of first, second, third wave feminism that I was talking about. And it, and it doesn't have to be a woman going on that journey. It could be a person of any gender going on that journey. But it's kind of like... Uh, 
the journey of passing through gender roles and it's a and it's a cycle as opposed to a, a journey and i actually uh, made a little note on my own tiktok account to do a tiktok talking about how uh aaron and regina aaron from farscape and regina from once upon a time both fit into this heroine's journey so in charmed <laughs> it's all relevant Look, this is making your point that this is a good episode. Yes. The fact that I'm not talking about it is making your point that it's a good episode. It, yes, and this is all very interesting stuff. It's just, we're like three minutes. We, we didn't make it past the first scene and we're like 20 minutes into recording. They don't care. They like to hear about this shit. So Paige stalks out of the attic uh, and Piper goes back to reading the book in the most monotone tone of voice possible. Uh-huh. And we hard cut from her reading about, you know, the evil queen who was going to cast a spell on Snow White or whatever to a magic mirror in a hall full of fairy tale shit. Yeah, uh this is literally right out of Descendants, except that Descendants came later. Yes. But like there's literally little exhibits museum exhibits in what is obviously this guy's basement but little museum exhibits like cinderella's slippers and the pumpkin i guess it's also cinderella yeah man that bitch has a huge corner in this museum (laughs) so this old man is kind of sweeping up around and he he chuckles at the magic mirror which has a, a woman stuck in it and he's like Oh, ho, ho, Evelina, I hope you're enjoying still being trapped in a mirror after all these years. And Evelina's like, oh, we'll see about that. And she kind of telekinetically nudges the mirror off of the, uh... Off of the nail it's hanging on. There's a weird thing where she kind of thinks this guy has an apprentice who's like a young, quasi-hot guy. I feel like he looks like George from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Yeah. Even though it's not that actor. But... I, I did want to point out, the the magician guy is like, by the way, Apprentice, be careful with all of this stuff, because some of it is super magical, and if it breaks, it could have serious consequences. I, I'm just bringing this up today for no reason, okay, right yeah. before the mirror breaks. Yeah, and she thinks the Apprentice guy, but it seems like she was the one who got out herself. No, no, she was doing the evil thing where she thanks someone before you do something bad to them. She locks him in the mirror because the mirror has to have a soul inside of it. Yeah. So, so she's like, thank you for being the soul of my mirror. And then she locks him in the mirror. Uh, she also kills the old man. God, we're all over the map with this scene. Woman, Evil woman trapped in a mirror, breaks out of the mirror, kills the old guy who was running this museum of fairy tale, of fairy tale icons basically every fairy tale is connected to an object and that's like the totem for that fairy tale to make sure that it exists in the world and inspires people with whatever moral you're supposed to get from cinderella Uh uh-huh which i guess is marry up hey i to, to quote a super sexist proverb that i've heard it's it's as easy to love a rich man as a poor man but yeah So, evil witch kills old man, traps young guy in the mirror, and she's like, now we'll see who's the wickedest witch in the Western Hemisphere. 
mirror, mirror that I see, show me now the power of three. Yeah, that's nice. By the book, the candle and bell, show me now this Hallowell. Okay, that's all I have. What she actually says is like, ooh, now it's time for this wicked witch to have a little fun. She's the evil queen from Snow White, but... Yes. She she actually mocks the apprentice for not being able to figure that out, and you know what? Fair. Yeah, like, this is... Is this his first day? Because the guy had to explain <laughs> to him, like, hey... That these magical items might be dangerous? Yeah. Maybe it is. As you know... It's my first day. <laughs> what a terrible first day. Yeah. His boss got his throat slit by an evil witch. Now he's trapped in a mirror. Yeah. Not not a banner day for for young apprentice George. So Piper has fallen asleep on the uh, couch. In the attic. In the attic. And she snaps awake. She's like, where's the baby? And uh, Paige is like, right where you left it, dumbass. <laughs> Oh, then there's this thing where she's like, man, these fairy tales are disturbing. Now I know why they call them the Brothers Grimm. That's Paige. That's That's not why they call them the Brothers Grimm. Paige. Also, these are not the Brothers Grimm fairy tales. Uh, they might be. Why, why would they not be? The Snow White one? Yeah, Snow White's a Brothers, is a Grimm's Brothers fairy tale. Oh, okay. Actually, fun, is this a fun fact? It's not a fun fact. Boring fact. <laughs> I actually have a book of the original Grimm's fairy tales that looks very much like the book that Piper's reading from. I used to read to our daughter from it. Oh. So, Paige is like, well, maybe you should stop reading the stupid fairy tales because for some reason I've got a giant bug up my ass about that this episode. I mean, it's in character for her. I don't I don't have a problem with it character-wise, but as, as a witch... As a witch, I feel like it's important to give your kids a grounding in fairy tales. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. As someone who had to fight a character from a fairy tale she was obsessed with, I think that maybe Paige should be a little warier of fairy tales in general. In fact, we were just we were just mocking Piper about morality coming from fairy tales when they absolutely don't. But they do, right? Because they teach you, like, don't let in strangers. Don't stand between two mirrors. If you're gonna make a bargain, then make sure that it's a bargain you're ready to make. Make sure that you finish that sweater before the time limit or else your brother's gonna have a wing instead of an arm for the rest of his life. That's a deep cut. Don't drink anything that's offered to you when you're in the middle of a quest. That's a good one. That's a mm. good one. <coughs> I'm, I'm, I'm reaching to 12 Dancing Princesses for that one. That's my favorite fairy tale, and it's so... Like, nobody talks about 12 Dancing Princesses. There's a really good Neil Gaiman book that's just, like, practical advice for fairy tales that I also enjoyed reading to our daughter, who didn't care for it as much, but it got destroyed by toddlerness. Yeah. And I, I think she ended up spilling something on it. Not intentionally, but... Oh, actually, here's a good one that's also a good moral, which is that you should be kind to people you meet. Hmm. Because they might be fae in disguise. I mean, that's not why you should be kind to them, but that's the punishment mechanism in the fairy tales. Yes. Or reward mechanism, depending. Or the wrong one for both, if you're talking about that one Gail Carson Levine uh, story. Yeah, I love that. I, I, Gail Carson Levine. Like, she's legit. I don't think we talk about her enough. Mm. So Piper's like, look, Paige, I know that you want to complain about what I'm doing here, but 
the the fact of the matter is I don't have anyone I can talk to about having a magical baby. All of my friends who have had babies have had non-magical babies. Look, Paige, my baby is just going to be so much more special than these stupid babies all my friends have had. My friends can't possibly understand what it's like to have a really good baby like this baby. I would be a little more sympathetic to Piper's plight if she had made literally any effort to connect with other witches. Because, hey, hey, Piper, maybe if you had some witch friends, you'd have, you know, friends who would have had experience with magic babies. Well, I mean, it is a reoccurring complaint of ours that there's not a magical community in this world that they're connected to. And we know that there is one, but that we don't get to see it. The sisters aren't connected to it. But shut up, everyone. Phoebe's here. Oh, shut up, Piper. Shut up, Paige. God. Phoebe, Phoebe had a dream about Cole, and you guys, what if it's a premonition, and so she needs Paige to get to work on that vanquishing spell? Yeah, and Paige was like, I thought you wanted me to not do that because of how he saved you from being a mermaid, like, last week, and, and, and Phoebe's like, no, we need to kill Cole immediately. She's so worried that this dream she had about Cole might turn out to be a premonition, and I'm just over here like, well, Phoebe, if you saw it. I wouldn't be worried. <laughs> yeah, remember how you didn't clock him for being the source of all evil at all for multiple episodes? Well, you were living with him? By the way, we then do this cool thing where we zoom out and we see the witch watching all of this through the magic mirror. So she's watching the powerful witches. And the guy, the, the mirror guy's like, so do you want to keep watching them? And she's like, no, I've learned all I need to know to kill them. I'm just like, how do you see that scene that we just watched and not go, oh, never mind. I can't believe this guy tried to get me all worked up about these three. Yeah, her, the reason she had mirror guy scry for them is because she's like, who's the most powerful witch of all? And he's like, the, the charmed ones. I thought that was clear when we were making up our fake rhymes, but yes, yes. Yeah. So she has her mission now. We we have our, our plot for the episode, the evil... This evil witch queen is going to call forth fairy tale magic to destroy the charmed ones because it's the only thing that's powerful enough to kill them. The guy, the, the mirror guy's like, you can't hurt the charmed ones. They're protected by good magic. And I'm like, oh, is that why when energy balls hit them, they don't explode instantly? They just get injured? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. You know what? Fair. So she summons first out of her book the woodsman from snow white he said she says i know the woodsman he took care of snow white she was easy prey and i'm like no you ended up in a mirror so clearly you have the book open in front of you have you not read it he (laughs) have you not lived it you're the evil queen from that story he famously did not do what you want him to whatever uh uh, the, the more important thing is that she tells him to go get the heart of the charmed one and he responds as you wish the charmed one who's as white as snow which you know yes that is rose mcgown i mean yeah i mean if we're gonna do a snow white it's it's funny because her hair is red this season but yeah rose mcgowan right yes. skin is white as snow lips as red as blood hair as black as coal yeah no it's right night it's the window sash that's what it is in the version i've read mm. Yeah. Okay, so we cut from the huntsman being summoned to go chop the shit out of Paige with an axe. 
to... Well, I mean, as you just mentioned, energy balls do nothing on them. So an axe, an axe from a guy who famously couldn't kill a child. (laughs) You know, it's been really successful with the charmed ones, but you can't think about it too much because, you know, guns. Oh, I was going to say, just like bore them. Just get them to stop caring about whatever it is that you want to take over. Again, the show does basically end with demons saying, like, hey, look, we're not going to attack you anymore, and we're just going to kill people where you can't see it, and the Charmed Ones being like, okay. Hmm. The demons do kind of win, don't they? Well, all of the upper-level demons are dead, but the lower-level demons who are like, hey, we're just not going to directly attack you, yeah, they get to do whatever they want. I mean, basically, the lower-level demons are like, what we're going to do is be lower-level evil and not get your attention. And they're like, sounds good. So just don't be evil enough that it sounds like it would be interesting to fight you, and we will all go on with our lives. We're going to be Grimlocks in, like, Maine. We're going to go to Maine and steal the Ice Age of Children where you can't, you know, where 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 it doesn't affect you. I don't think they even go as far as Maine. I think they all go to L.A. I think this takes place in the same <laughs> universe as Angel. So then the Wicked Witch says that she wants to see the... I said Wicked Witch. I feel like I need to emphasize Evil Witch because this is not Zelina. This is Regina. Yes, this is not Elphaba. This is Brunhilda. So she says, show me the sister who's been burned by love. And, of course, we see Phoebe, whose assistant is telling her that she's gotten, like, ten calls from Cole since she was gone and... One call from her divorce lawyer, and and Phoebe's like, move my meeting with my divorce lawyer up. I do have to say, though, that, uh... Okay. Cole calling and leaving that many messages, that is bad. Like, yeah. She specifically told you to leave her alone. Leave her the fuck alone, Cole. I mean, she kind of backed off on that after the whole mermaid thing. It's still not okay! Leave her the fuck alone! Yes, it is still not okay. But who gives a shit about Cole? Phoebe bumps ass first into the new boss at her company, and they have a little meet-cute thing. Oh, oh, let's not sleep on his name. Adam Prince. Adam Prince! Okay, and the thing is, this guy is basically a dry run for Jason Dean, Phoebe's second long-runningest love interest. Who is also the owner of the newspaper. Yeah, like, this guy is literally just the same character as Jason Dean, to the degree that I thought that this character was Jason Dean, until we watched the episode again. So, in Fifty Shades of Grey, Christian also buys the, the pub, not the newspaper, but the publishing house that, uh, Anastasia works at and I know uh, and I know that Fifty Shades is famously a Twilight fanfic but I I feel like that relationship was pulled from here I mean it's well I just it it also totally ignores who wears the pants in any relationship with Phoebe Hollowell and by pants I mean weird leather thong I just feel like Jason Dean I, I feel like Christian Grey is not is not too many steps removed from Jason Dean, but we'll talk about that when we get to him. I mean, this guy fits into this whole thing. I feel like it's very generic wish fulfillment boyfriend where, look, you have a handsome man, more in the case of Jason Dean than this guy, who's a little, uh, reedy. Yeah. 
honestly, if you took him out of a suit and put him in like a t-shirt and jeans, you could really clearly put him as like the drummer of a kind of skeezy band. Okay, I was gonna go the other way, the other direction. If you took him out of a suit and put him in a medieval costume, uh, just as since we're talking about princes here, if we go by the Disney princes, then I feel like we're looking at a Prince Philip here. Oh, looks no. w- looks wise. I do not buy him as a prince at all. I I think this guy is like lead, secondary lead in a Hallmark movie. I meant if we're going to choose amongst the princes, he's your bland Prince Philip, not your sexy Prince Eric. Oh, no, I think he's someone's best friend, if that... Okay, he still has to be one of the princes. He's he, he's explicitly then, a prince. Then he's one of the princes from a Golden Films movie. That's so incredibly mean. That's so mean. No, let, at least let him be a prince from, like, a DreamWorks parody of a Disney movie. The thing is, he's not that. He's not particularly handsome. He's not a bad-looking guy. Phoebe's doing her weird, cartoonishly horny thing where she sees a moderately attractive... She did this with Glenn, too, who also I, quant- I quantified as a attractive enough guy, but Phoebe's, like... You know, again, Cartoon Wolf, she's pounding her foot on the ground, she's howling, she's slapping herself in the face, she's like, ooh, a man. I mean, this might have to be another time freeze, Mm -hmm. because I feel like he looks like every generic guy in this era. Uh, On Gilmore Girls, one of Rory Gilmore's first love interests. uh, Chad Michael Murray. Yes. And then he leaves and is replaced by another character who's basically the same character archetype. Actor looks exactly like him, but, you know, is a, uh, you know, it's a different actor, is a different character. Anyway, this guy, this guy could be the triplet to those three, to those two. Yeah, he's like if you dehydrated Chad Michael Murray a little bit. Mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, I, I feel like I'm being too mean for this guy. I'm just saying... Uh, I would just say you we've seen you cast guys that look princely before. You couldn't get Ben back. I'm just saying you can cast guys who look princely. This guy does not look princely. This is why I'm this is why I'm invoking my time freeze card. I think you're forgetting how milk toast quote unquote handsome was during this period. It was a hard time for us out there. I know there were handsome men in the 80s, but yet the I know this isn't the 80s, but it just, it reminds me of when you're watching, like, the Mary Tyler Moore show, and she's talking about her date like he's the most gorgeous guy ever, and he's, like, a 70-year-old Lotso opso. I mean, I just feel like hotness, and, and, but, so not attractiveness, but hotness wasn't invented until the CW, and we're still in WB days here. Well, we know that's not true because Cole comes in because this guy has just bought the... Exception that proves the rule. Yes. Uh, Phoebe is flirting with I the new... I know that's not what that phrase means, by the way. It bugs me when people use it to mean that. Phoebe's flirting with the new boss and he's flirting back, which seems really inappropriate, but... I There's no HR here. Yeah, like, there's a later episode where the newspaper hires a psychologist to double-check Phoebe's columns so they can't be sued if she gives bad advice and like a demon switches bodies with phoebe and sexually harasses the guy and then when he complains about it to uh, when he complains about it to elise elise fires him because he's clearly lying and Uh, it's like 
Really? Yeah. Well, Phoebe's sexually harassed a lot of people. A lot of it is under the influence of magic, but sometimes it isn't. And like, also, well, she she, she also shouldn't be sleeping with her boss, which she absolutely is going to do multiple times. But I, yeah, but Cole's like, hey, I'm here and I'm the lawyer for for. Adam Prince. Adam Prince. I, I'm Adam Prince's lawyer, and I'm representing him. Hey, Phoebe, this is my wife. Stop flirting with her, my boss. Client. Client. He, um... Phoebe kind of shepherds him into... <laughs> Phoebe kind of shepherds Cole into her office, and she's like, please leave before I stab you to death. And he's like... You know you can't stab me to death, but fine. I mean, I know we were talking about it before as 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 Phoebe being ridiculous, but I'm totally on her side here. She told him to stop bugging her. Stop bugging her. Yeah. So he leaves and Adam Prince is like, well, you know, actually, you know who he reminds me of a lot? Topher Grace when he was playing Eddie Brock. <laughs> that is a, that is, okay. Do you see it? I do, but that's such a random cut. Yes. Yeah. So he, he comes in. He's like, hey, I know this might be inappropriate because you clearly have this weird thing going on with your soon-to-be ex-husband. And also, I'm your boss and I own your company, but you want to go out with me sometime? And she's like, maybe some other time. Rain check. And it's like, no, you should not be going out with him, but whatever. I guess this is really on him and not on her. Yeah. 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 I mean, we were talking about HR nightmares before, and you brought up some t- a time that Phoebe was an HR nightmare, but really her bosses are HR nightmares, too. Yeah, like Jason Dean and Adam Prince should both not be asking her out, but... Yeah. So I also want to point out there's one moment where he mentions to Phoebe, this is before Cole comes in, he mentions to Phoebe that he's a fan of her column, and she's like, oh... You're not my usual demographic. And I'm like, Phoebe, this is a major newspaper. If there's a column that's only appealing to half of the population, that's a problem. Well, she's like, you're not a middle-aged housewife. And I'm like, who do you think reads your, like... Do men not read advice columns? I mean, granted, I'm not a great barometer for what men like, but that was always, like, the first section I looked at when I read newspapers. It was comics and then the advice columns. And then I was done with newspapers. Yeah, same, same. So back at the manor. Piper is yelling at Leo to summon Grams' ghost to bring Grams back from the dead. He's like, uh, A, I can't just bring people back from the dead whenever. And B, can't you summon a ghost? Isn't it a like basic ass spell that any loser except Phoebe could cast? Yeah, she says that she tried and it didn't work, so. Weird. Yeah. And then... She tells Leo that she needs help with the baby. And Leo's like, I'm here. And she's like, shut up, Leo. <laughs> hey, we're all like, shut up, Leo. She also Hey, t- Leo watched her when she was a baby. Oh, Clearly he knows God. how to raise magic. But yes. She also tells him that this is a special baby. And so he needs to be going above and beyond because this baby is more important than any other baby. So get Grams' ass out of the afterlife right now. And then the ghost lights show up and Grams corporealizes completely. Yeah, this is the first time she's been corporeal that she can, like, touch things and shit. And she's like, thanks, Leo. And Leo's like, I didn't do that. 
And she's like, thanks, Grams. And Grams is like, I didn't do this. She's a line I love. I love Grams. I love Grams. Grams is one of my favorite characters in this show. She's awful. I love her. But she she tells Piper, honey, I'm good, but I'm not that good. Except later in the show, this is something she's capable of just doing on her own. And I love the detail that you can be keep becoming a more powerful witch after you die. Mm-hmm. Like, that is something I genuinely enjoy. Doesn't explain why she keeps on changing how she looks physically, but, you know, whatever. She does it just, just how she chooses to present herself. She just does it because she gets bored. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and definitely not because she's an actress who has a life that isn't this show. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Anyway, it turns out that she came because Piper wished for it. Yes, yes. She she was called forth by the baby. The baby can resurrect the dead. That is actually, that that is a very big deal. That is distressing, honestly. And Gramps is like, so what have you done in preparation for the baby? Have you, like... Put any wards around the house? Yeah. I feel like we need to stop bringing that up literally every episode, except Grams asks it, so apparently it's something you can do. Leo, oh, so helpful Leo, is like, we turned the closet into a nursery. And and Grams is like, well, no wonder the baby physically corporealized me. So then Paige comes downstairs and is like, is this the new nanny? And Grams is like, oh my god, it's Paige, the granddaughter that I made my daughter give away. I'm so happy to see you. So Paige acts like she's never met Grams before, even though she did in the first episode Paige was introduced as, but that was as a ghost and it was under stressful circumstances. So I do, I don't think it's a discontinuity thing. She didn't meet Grams. She was in a room where there were a bunch of ghosts and she was just learning that ghosts existed and they were like talking about magic. I, I... Yeah, no, this is... Yeah, I totally buy her not recognizing Grams, but Grams is like, give me a hug, and Paige is like, I have a lot of really complicated emotions about you, so... So, the woodsman... Interrupts this awkward moment by chopping his way through the solarium. (laughs) They vanquish him really quickly, and then we cut to the evil witch being like, ah, the woodsman didn't work, I guess I gotta use the apple. And it almost feels like this is just... Like, you have to go through these steps... It's interesting that you say they vanquish him really easily because Piper does just blow him up. But it's after he, like, cuts Paige's arm and destroys a bunch of furniture. And someone has to tell Piper to blow him up. Which is something I didn't notice until you pointed it out. But why does Piper never seem to use her powers without someone telling her to use them? It's really weird. And I mean, is the script reason that they're not assuming we watch every episode? So... We need to know that this is just a power we have by having another character shout out, Hey, Piper, use that power that I know you have. As you know, Piper, you have the power to cause people to molecularly combust. But yeah, Piper blows the shit out of the guy. And uh, Grams is like, ugh. I, didn't, I don't want to have a new body if someone's just going to chop it to pieces, which, fair. Yeah. And then, as I said, the evil witch is like, well, I guess we got to go with the apple. And on her way out of the room, she just grabs the slippers, too. She's like, well, just, I only want to make one trip. The mirror guy's pretty smug about this admittedly terrible plan working. And I'm like, I I don't think she expected it to actually work. I think she just wanted to see them in action. No, no, that's what I'm saying. It's like, it's like before you call tech support, you have to turn everything off and then turn it back on again. That's the woodsman. The woodsman is turning your machine off and then back on again. So... They're running up to the book to see if they can find, you know, who it is who was attacking them. Because 
demons don't use axes, they use athames. And Leo seems to think that it might have been a random homeless person. And, like, I know homelessness is a problem in San Francisco, but I don't think anyone's trying to resolve it by chopping their way into a house. Okay, that really hits close for me because, you know, I work, uh, I, I, I work with uh, unhoused population. Like, that's, one of, that's what I do for a living. Yes. And people who are living on the streets are much more vulnerable than they are a danger. Like they're, they're much more in danger of being attacked than, than attacking people. And, but that's not the way it's presented. And then people fear them. And, and then we get things like the, the daytime camping ban in Portland, which is just a, a human rights violation as far as I'm concerned. Anyway, back to charmed. Yeah. We're much like in real life, homeless people are not chopping their way into people's houses. Yes. Uh, Piper pulls up the book and she's like, it's it's the woodsman. The fairy tale book. Yeah, the fairy tale book. She's like, it's the woodsman. It was the woodsman. And Grimms is like, oh, you're, re- you're, you're reading fairy tales to your kid like I used to read to you. At least you're doing one thing right. And then Paige goes back to her fairy tales are stupid rant. And Grimms is like, fairy tales are real. You're a witch. Did you not understand that fairy tales are real? Yeah, she's like, I, I, it looks like your human mortal parents did a fuck-ass job raising you, but luckily I'm here now. Honestly, right? Grams, if you wanted Paige to understand witchcraft, maybe you shouldn't have forced your daughter to abandon her. So, they're, they, they cotton on to the whole being attacked by fairy tales thing really fast. And Thank God. Yeah. I, I don't have the energy for... An episode where it takes them forever to figure that out. Okay, I was just watching a later episode, the one where Zinku uses zombies to attack them. Uh-huh. And they repeatedly do not believe that Phoebe is being haunted by a guy she couldn't save. Like, they they keep on dismissing the fact that she's being attacked by a revenant, uh-huh. you know, a restless undead spirit. And I'm like, this is like season seven. <laughs> Why are you not? I mean, I know Phoebe's very annoying, but why would you not believe this very plausible thing is happening? It's it's annoying. It's annoying. But in this episode, they all cotton on immediately. Grams gives a whole nother speech about how stories are real. Not just real, but the foundation for all morality and how all of these uh, stories exist in every single culture to impart lessons of goodness to make sure that children grow up to be pure spirits or whatever okay so i actually feel like this is important i'm gonna kind of twist what grams is saying a little bit and make it real okay fairy tale logic is not the same thing as human logic right as real world logic and the idea that fairy tales exist because magical creatures such as witches need to understand fairy tale logic that works for me that that works for me very well like to say that you know this is what it means to make a deal with the fae yeah that's an important lesson and you know what grams is gonna call it morality that's fine because we all know grams has none she, uh, she doesn't she doesn't understand what that word means so it's fine as grams is going off on this speech the evil queen teleports into their kitchen. Man, they really need to get on those wards. <laughs> she drops off 
the, the, the glass slippers in a box and puts a red apple conspicuously on top of a pile of apples that are in a bowl on the yeah, island thing. Okay. In the kitchen, the kitchen island. She puts the apple in a fruit bowl. Yes. That's already there. Mm-hmm. I feel like fruit doesn't always really get eaten out of fruit bowls. She is very lucky that they decided to eat that apple. To go back to our bread and butter, which is once upon a time... I feel like she would have been much more successful if she had baked it into a delicious tart. That You know that's going to get eaten. I thought you were going to talk about her old roommate who would habitually buy large amounts of fruit and then just leave it on the counter to rot. I wasn't, but I was thinking about that. Yeah. Yeah. So the evil queen teleports out and Phoebe immediately sees the shoes, grabs them, and runs upstairs to scream about how Cole is turning fairy tales against them. It's gotta be Cole because Cole knows that she's obsessed with Cinderella. Phoebe, we all know you're obsessed with Cinderella. We've, we've been here. Yeah, you've been mentioning, well, last season, you were mentioning it like every goddamn episode. So this has been very heavily foreshadowed. Yeah. So Leo's like, I don't want to be here anymore, so I'm going to go check with the elders. I actually, it's funny you say that because he says, I think I better go check with the elders. And Graham says, yes, I think you had better. But really, she's just like, let's get him out of here. Get him out from underfoot. So Phoebe is like wailing about how Cole won't leave her alone. And no one's really on the Cole train for this. Whatever. So... Phoebe decides that the only way out of a fairy tale is through it. Grams agrees, so Phoebe puts on the shoes. Well, Paige is like, Piper, tell them how dumb they're being. And Piper's like, I don't know. If Graham said it, then it has to be true. But also, why would you think Piper was going to be on your side? Well, I mean... Piper hasn't been on your side against fairy tales. Like, what? I mean, Piper hasn't been on Paige's side basically ever. Like, it was a big thing when Paige was first in the show that, uh... That Piper would always want the opposite of whatever Paige wanted. But the the whole point of this episode is that Piper is not feeling her normal self-confidence. Piper is not the matriarch she has been growing into the past since Prue died. Right, so she's deferring to Grams. And in fact, right, Grams is corporeal, so she's there to be the matriarch, as yeah. it were. Okay. And... It's something I do really like about this episode where it does genuinely feel like Piper stepping officially into the role of matriarch by facing down Grams. Mm -hmm. Okay, I have been waiting literally since we started doing this podcast to talk about this. We have mentioned it many times. It is a thing of legend. Now, now... In rewatching this over and over and over again, mm-hmm. it finally clicked for me what is happening with this dress, or rather what they think is happening with this dress. Phoebe puts on the glass slippers and magically appears, and magic sparkles surround her, and her dowdy, ordinary Phoebe Hollowell clothes disappear, and in their place... She's bibbidi-bobbidi-booed. The iconic Phoebe Hallowell Cinderella dress. Dress is so generous. Okay, but here's here's what I figured out. Yeah. Phoebe is wearing low-rise jeans and a cropped mesh shirt before mm-hmm. she puts on the shoes. And so they were attempting to follow the lines of that outfit, which is why 
we we are calling this a dress. They will continue to call this a dress, but it is a two-piece outfit because it is also cropped. And please allow me to now describe the outfit, which is a, I would say it's like a sparkly beige. Like it's a beige outfit, but it's got like sequins in it. I, I almost want to say gold sequins, but it's not really. It's beige. They're it's, Beige sequins? Is that even a thing? It, it must be because I'm looking at them. But like, what are we doing here? I mean, it looks to me like cream that's gone slightly off. That's what beige is. I guess that is what beige Like, it definitely reads white to me, but spoiled white. Again, yes, that's what beige. beige is. Okay, so the outfit, because it is not a dress, consists of an improperly fitting corset top. It is not properly fitted around Alyssa Milano's chest. So I mean, it is vacuum sealed over her boobs. Yeah, but but they're they're crushed in there. It should support them and like... It's it's not it's not doing its job. It is the uh, top a character would wear in a fighting video game. Mm-hmm. So and and again, this is cropped. It has a gigantic bow on the back of it. I mean, it's like a big thick cummerbund with a giant bow over the ass. Yes, but but high above the ass because again, it is cropped so that you can see her belly. Yes. Then she's wearing a. I can't tell, as many times as I've watched this, I cannot tell if these are white bicycle shorts or a white pencil skirt. So one or the other. And then across the back of them is a piece of fabric that just covers the back of her like some sort of, some sort of mullet skirt. And then in the front, and by the way, this doesn't start from the waist. It starts from mid-thigh and just one thigh, not both thighs. There is a piece of of sequined tool hanging down to the floor. And this is the iconic Phoebe Cinderella outfit. And that's not even getting into what they did with her hair, which is terrible. They, like, pulled it up off her face in a way that makes her look like she has a gigantic forehead. <laughs> I like how it looks like she's kind of wearing two sacks in front. Yeah, you know, you know what this would be good? Is if she... If we were doing last week's episode, and this was supposed to be the sack that Ariel ties around herself. Oh yeah, it looks a lot like <laughs> like when when she's trying to get not be naked in front of Eric the first time she meets him, and she's wearing that sail. Yeah, yeah, that's if, if this is like if you were gonna do a designer version of that that dress, which is weird because yeah, Phoebe was a mermaid last week and the week before that because for some reason that had to be a two-parter. My favorite thing about this is that none of the actresses can pretend that this doesn't look totally fucking ridiculous because Holly Marie Combs is like, wow, Phoebe, you look uh, uh, gorgeous. And even Grams is like, what are we doing here? Yeah, Jennifer Rhodes is like, this is what I'm doing now, I guess. But the script is like, wow, look at this beautiful dress. And then Phoebe starts getting puppeteered by the shoes. She starts cartoonishly wide-stepping. And she's like, I can't help it. The shoes are taking me away. And Cram's like, it's fine. Let her go. She does tell Paige, go with her. And then if you get in trouble, you can just orb away. Which is smart. I love the really, really obvious horrible foley they have for the glass slippers. Because they play this... I, I have to imagine it's a stock sound. It sounds like if you were trying to do the foley for one of those machines at the dump that crushes cars. Because every time she takes a step, it's like, 
again because we because I watched this particular sequence like five times to really get a hold of the dress. Mm-hmm. Um, I started to really enjoy the fully of her putting on the shoes. It started to have like an ASMR effect on me. So Adam Prince is on the cell phone doing business things for he's a businessman. Mm-hmm. He he gets a call from the business factory. And but. But he isn't in this elevator alone for long because the evil queen teleports in and then mind control kisses him. Yep. Yep. She she grabs his face, non-consensually kisses him, and then he's mind controlled by her. He says, what, what, what can I do to serve you, my queen? And she's like, be a charming prince and go to the ball and seduce Cinderella. And he's like... Lady, that was already what was on my agenda. You could have just called my assistant and she would have told you that. We did not have to do this whole song and dance. And you know what? Like, let, let me step out of making fun of the script and say, you didn't have to do this whole song and dance. That's already what was on his agenda. This whole part is unnecessary. He doesn't have to be mind controlled. Well, he does try to kill Phoebe later when she gets turned into a pumpkin. So I guess it's. But so you're, you're, you're just, telling me you're telling me that you have to be mind controlled to want to kill Phoebe. Is that not just the natural consequence of spending time with her? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. But yeah, the event he invited her to earlier is like a ball. Yeah, it was like a fundraising dinner. A fundraising ball. Yeah. So, Phoebe stops in the middle of the sidewalk. Paige is like, "What's going on?" And she's like, "Carriage, see." And a carriage pulls up, and. uh Okay, the carriage pulls up. It's like being driven by a guy who who is, he has a very like automaton thing going on, probably because he's a rat that's been turned into a footman. Mm-hmm. And Phoebe asks him, did Cole send you? Oh my God, Phoebe, get off of Cole! Do you not remember how Cole has attacked you in the past? It hasn't been with fairy tales. Like, this is clearly a themed thing. But... So Paige is like, do you want me to orbit? Paige tries to get in the carriage too, but it blasts her out. And the carriage starts moving and Paige is casually walking next to it, which is a little detail I love. (laughs) And Paige is like, do you want me to orbit you out of there? And Phoebe's like, you don't have to worry. Cole would never hurt me. Okay, whatever. You know, you deal with other demons all the time on this show, right? Everything is all about Phoebe all the time, as far as Phoebe is concerned. And so the fact that she's worried about Cole means that anything that happens is about Cole. Just like Piper thinks everything is about her all the time, which is why anything that happens is about her baby right now, because that's the most important thing. Hmm. And poor Paige just has to be the youngest sister who's still trying to figure out how to fit in to these giant Prue-sized shoes that got left behind, which is why she's the only sister who's doing anything helpful for the next season until, like, they have billy to beat up on and then she can and then she can slip into that everything's all about me role yeah although nothing will ever be about Paige. Paige is my favorite sister like doing this recap podcast i've realized Paige is my favorite with like no competition no competition i'm a i'm, I'm a piper man i love her when she was like the down to earth trying to hold everything together sister in the early seasons I love her when she is the queen bitch goddess of the universe in the later seasons. I think I like Paige because she's the one who is interested in the stuff that I'm interested in. 
I feel like I've been watching too much later Charmed because Paige does not have a consistent personality later in the show. Right. I do agree with that. Her personality is not consistent, but if the show was consistently focusing on what she's up to, it would be the show I wanted to watch. So that's why she's my favorite sister. Also, I, I'm, I'm sorry, but having read her, her memoir, even though it's a little banana pants, uh, I have so much affection for Rose McGowan now. Even though I'm like, girl's a little banana pants. But who can blame her? Who can blame her when you hear her backstory? Yeah, she went through a lot. Yeah. So Paige goes back to the manor to debrief with Leo, who's back from talking to the elders. Yeah, and and the elders told him about that guy getting killed, but I guess they didn't think that was important enough to let anybody (laughs) know about. Back at the manor, they're, they're talking about how obviously it isn't Cole and Phoebe's actually in real danger, but... Let's all listen to the thing about how fairy tales are the root of all morality one more time. And the fact that the evil queen is using them as weapons against the charmed ones means that she's turning them evil and therefore ruining a generation of children. Well, the fairy tales... Okay, power derives from the fairy tales, and if the fairy tales are rewritten, then the balance of power will change. You're saying this like it's a... Like, it's a bad plot, when in fact it's the entire plot of a full season of Once Upon a Time. This is just the author storyline. Yeah, but worse. Well, I'm sorry, I didn't think I had to append, but worse, when we talk about how charmed plots are just plots from other TV shows. (laughs) This is also a... This is also the plot of a movie called Happily Never After. Uh Uh-huh. I don't know if you remember this. It was released nowhere. It was in the it was in the post Shrek era of fairy tale deconstruction. So I didn't watch it, but I do remember like the movie poster. Yeah. Uh I mostly remember it because Sarah Michelle Geller plays Cinderella in it. Oh wow, okay. And her love interest is played by her Freddie Prince. Yeah, her real life husband. Whose name is Prince? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Nice. Uh, Star Wars people are mad at him. I don't know. You, you know, he, he voiced an ex-Jedi or something in an animated series a lot of people like. Okay, sure. And uh, apparently an interviewer asked him if he was ever going to come back for the role. He's like, no, I'm more into Star Trek now because they have sex there. And Star Wars fans are mad at him. <laughs> well. But, but anyway, in the plot of that movie is basically that the evil stepmother from Cinderella discovers a tower where all of the fairy tales are kept and she uses these magic scales to uh, tip the odds towards evil so uh you telling me this has caused me to need to go on two tangents that go in different directions oh dear so they're like not going to lead to each other the first is if what we're learning right now is that freddie prince jr chooses which science fiction to watch based on how horny it is, that means we can affirmatively know that he's watched Farscape. The horniest of the sci-fi. Okay, the other thing is that this is also the plot of the Thursday Next novels. And there was that one season of Once Upon a Time where we had a segment where it was like, hey, instead of this episode, read this or watch this. And... Which is a broad by Terry Pratchett for this episode, personally. Well, I just want to throw out a recommendation for the Thursday Next series, which is, again, about rewriting stories. 
but not fairy tales like all literature mm. it's very cool i i'm a i'm a huge i mean i i majored in literature so i'm I'm a nerd about that stuff, so your mileage may vary, but I really love those books. Okay, so, back to Charmed. They're going to rewrite the fairy tales, and that's going to change the balance of power. And then, oh no, that means Piper's baby might grow up to be evil because it won't have the guiding power of fairy tales. There's so many things that are going to threaten to turn that child evil. So, Leo's like, why don't you just murder the shit out of the evil witch and then we won't have to worry about this and Piper's like, oh right murder the solution to all of our problems and she starts crying for the witch and the mirror we shoot out and the magic mirror guy's showing it to the evil witch and he's like you know they're gonna kill you right you could just stop doing this and they won't murder you and she's like no shut up i've got this under control well then she pulls out the the red cloak and he's like wait now we're throwing little red riding hood into the mix no this is, you, you, you have no plan if now we're throwing Little Red Riding Hood in the mix. This is just a thematic mess. And she's like, no, no, it works because their grandmother's there. So, this will, like, be a grandmother thing, and then we can have them get eaten by the big bad wolf. You know what? Fair. It's fine. It's fine. I'm just saying, she's kind of spiraling a little here. Yeah, yeah, she is. Also... Piper was the biggest danger, and yet you saved her for last? Well, she needed the sister who was Snow White, and she needed the sister who was Cinderella, and then she's like, damn, the most powerful sister is still out there. What fairy tale does she relate to? And actually, I guess the grandmother does work, because as you said, what we're doing in this episode is dealing with Piper trying to take her place as the matriarch, but she's still feeling herself like the little girl, so... Actually, that's kind of perfect. God damn it, Charmed. <laughs> God damn it, it snuck up on me. It snuck up on me. So Phoebe shows up at the ball, and uh, the handsome prince guy is handsomely flirting with her handsomely. And then Cole shows up, and whoa-oh, these shoes might be made for walking, Cole, but they're never going to walk back to you, buddy. She actually specifically says these boots, and he's like, you're wearing glass slippers. She's like, fuck you! <laughs> so I think she's spiraling, too, a little bit. She, but she's been spiraling, hasn't she? And she gives Cole this whole-ass speech about how, like, she's over him, and he needs to move on, and she's gonna have her rich new boyfriend fire him. And Cole's like, Phoebe, clearly some dumb bullshit's going on here. Do you want my help? I'm basically omnipotent right now. I, I can help you out with whatever weird bullshit fairy tale thing is going on. I was going to say this has all has to be so weird from Adam Prince's point of view, but I guess that's why he's mind controlled. He tries to like physically intimidate Cole, which ignoring the fact that Cole is mega Satan and is basically omnipotent. Cole has like Julian McMahon has, like, a foot on this guy, and his biceps are, like, the size of this dude's waist. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I know being rich makes you completely delusional, but come on, dude. <laughs> Back at the manor, Grams is showing Paige how to make a specific potion, and Paige is so impressed that she's doing it without... Looking at the book. And she's like, I wrote the book. All the good spells, anyway. I, I love Grams. 
She's pretty great. Jennifer Rhodes does such a good job with this character because she's maternal, but also really mean. Well, I mean, she is. Let's let's be explicit here. She's Endora. Yeah. Yes. She is Endora. And she clearly loves her girls, but she has no boundaries. She... I'm, I'm gonna say she raised them in kind of an abusive environment. I mean, I don't know if I'd go as far as abusive, but it was definitely wrong of her to not tell them what what was coming. Well, I'm drawing... To not prepare them for... I'm drawing from later Graham stuff when I say that, because there's a bit where, in, in like, the last couple of episodes, mm-hmm. where... Victor and Patty are trying to break a spell. Patty has come back from the dead for, you know, it's the finale and they're getting all the actors they can. Victor and Patty are trying to break a mind control spell. Uh-huh. And Patty does a little, like, very childish couplet. And Victor looks at her all funny and she's like, I wrote it when I was seven so that I could break spells Graham's put on me. And I'm like, that is a throwaway line that has... Dark implications. Yeah. And and Victor gets into arguments with Grams. Like we see that one of the reasons that Victor wasn't a part of their life, their lives as, you know, when they were children was because he disagreed with Grams about using magic on them. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Also, we know that she was constantly mind wiping Andy, which explains a lot about his personality. Yes, that's true. We'll definitely have to revisit how Grams raised them when we get more information about that. I, what we do see here is that she's trying to speed run being a grandmother to Paige. Yeah, and and Paige is like, look, I don't know you. She doesn't bring up the relevant, but I would understand why you wouldn't mention it, fact that Grams made Patty give her up for adoption. Right? But, but she does say, hey, I have a grandmother. It's not you. And Penny Hollowell with the guilt trips here, Grams is like, are you sure there isn't any love left for me? And it's like, oh. Hey, at least Paige knows what's up. She says, well, I see where I get my stubbornness from. Yeah. Honestly, as much as Grams is a reoccurring character, I do wish she was in more of Charmed. She has a really interesting dynamic with all of the characters. Mm-hmm. And again, Jennifer Rhodes is really good at being this character, like you said, Endora, basically. Yeah. So... Meanwhile, Piper and Leo are out, and they have wandered off the path. Wah, wah. And Piper immediately realizes, shit, we left Grams and Paige alone. Which, as soon as she realizes that, we hard cut back to the manor where Paige- Oh, wait, I'm sorry, You, you you skipped the thing. They wandered off the path, and the Red Riding Hood is just hanging on a tree. And they're like, okay, I guess that's what we're doing. And Piper's like, Piper's like, grandma yeah uh meanwhile we didn't talk about this during the scene where grams is speedrunning being a grandmother but the apple is like hypnotizing Paige throughout the scene it's like calling out to her and Paige, like she takes a bite of it and she falls over and grams is like Paige, and then a wolf shows up and it's all like i'm actually a dog and we get a fantastic silhouette of a of a 
photoshopped still of a wolf flying through the air to a photoshopped still of Jennifer Rhodes. <laughs> like, like it's all done in shadow, but it's like really terrible shadow puppets and the wolf swallows her whole. Yep, we see that the wolf, through shadow, we see that the wolf has swallowed her whole and then turned into her. And then also, once Paige bit into the apple and fell asleep, she also became Snow White and that she's now wearing, like, a gossamer white dress and her hair has become black and long. And Rose McGowan's a beautiful woman. Rose McGowan is a beautiful woman. So the wolf Grams is about to start eating Paige, I guess, when Piper comes back and Piper's like, oh, damn it. Wolf Grams is like, oh, she's dead. And Piper's like, well, I mean, she's not, though, because she's Snow White. And Snow White's not dead, so no. And Grams is like, I think that she is dead. I think we should give up forever. Hey, do you mind rubbing this barbecue sauce on your <laughs> neck? Uh, so Grams is like, well, I guess true love's kiss. We go find her boyfriend. And Piper's like, she doesn't have a boyfriend. So now she's going to be asleep forever because she can't find a man. Remember how Paige was all upset that fairy tales were about needing a man to rescue you, and now because she doesn't have a man in her life, she's going to be asleep forever? Wah, wah. So Piper tries casting an anti-poison spell, which, you know what? Yeah, that is the sort of spell a witch should know. You know what's less effective than that? Leo checking for a pulse. What are you doing, Leo? We're in a fairy tale. Well, I guess he did try healing. To be fair, he did also try healing, and that didn't work. Which, I mean, I guess it's a cursed sleep, so healing shouldn't work. I'm I'm never quite sure what healing would and would not work on. So, the doorbell rings, and the wolf, who looks like Grams, says, Leo, would you be a lamb and see who that is? I'm sad I used up my wah-wah earlier. (laughs) But now that uh, Piper and Grams... The Gramps Wolf are alone in the kitchen. The Gramps Wolf's about to try to eat Piper again, but Leo's like, honey, need you to deal with this. Yep. The, uh, at the door there are seven dwarves. Yes. Or as they like to be called, seven little people is a joke for some reason. I, there's another Snow White movie in development right now, like there perpetually is, and, uh... I just know that Peter Dinklage was coming out a few months ago talking about how harmful the, like, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs kind of stereotype is. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know what I like? I like when we do fairy tales like this and it's just seven guys, right? It's like... Like the Amanda Bynes movie, Sydney White. Sure. Hey, yeah. One because one of one of the one of the seven guys in Sydney White is uh, Jonathan. Danny Strong. Yeah. yeah. Jonathan from Buffy. Hey, look, we we somehow made it back to Buffy. <laughs> hey, I have a lot of affection for him. But yeah, no, I, I I like when they're like, yeah, no, it's just seven guys who work in a mine. Don't worry about it. Or we could just tell stories that aren't Snow White. Oh well. Because I mean, dare I'm, to dare to dream. I'm sorry. There are so many better fairy tales than Snow White hey, out there. Hey, you say that we only tell Snow White, but. We also tell Peter Pan. <laughs> yeah, it seems weird that they make a Peter Pan movie like every two years or so, and they never make any money. Like, I think the last profitable one was Hook. I believe that is correct. I think it's because it's in the public domain. Also, okay, this is really off topic. We do not have time to get into it, but Peter Pan 
is a fundamentally fascinating story. Like, I really feel like I could talk about Peter Pan for hours and hours. So I understand doing a lot of Peter Pan stories. Well, and people never play it up for the creepy factor because I'm assuming of the hospital. You know, you have to uh, cut off the profits to the the, the Jamberry Hospital. Oh, movies never yeah, play mo- up the movie. creepy aspect. Yes, I'm like, uh, I have several novels to introduce you to. Oh, yeah, no, no. Books, books. I guess they probably have to, too. But, like, the thing is, Peter Pan is a scary character. Like, it's... Innocence is sort of a double-edged sword because it also means that you're unaware of sort of hurting other people. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, it. the scary thing about Peter Pan is that he is a child with more than adult capabilities, but no grasp that his actions have consequences. Yeah, he's basically Talon from Farscape. He's a, he's a toddler with a cannon. Yeah. I, no, we could talk about Peter Pan for ages. Although, I, again, book recommendation, I, I would recommend Wendy Darling, which is explicitly about the horror that is Peter Pan. But no, back at the ball, Phoebe Cinderella is dancing with Adam Charming. Adam Prince? Adam Prince. I know you were doing Adam Charming as like a joke, but his name is actually literally Adam Prince. Which I think was also the name of the love interest, not Adam, but it was like Johnny Prince was the uh, love interest in Sydney White. Mm, mm. And and the, uh, the evil girl was Rachel Witchburn. Boo. Yeah. I'm like, you're not even trying. We're not even trying. But uh, Phoebe's dancing with, uh, you know, her boss. And she's like, can you have Cole fired and killed? And he's like, I can have him, whatever. I'm rich. He does ask her if she's just dancing with him to make Cole jealous. And then Leo shows up and is like, hey, it's almost midnight. Phoebe, let's get out of here. The two of them run off. And then Cole and Adam Prince, like, have a macho off. Yeah, it's it's this weird thing where Cole kind of slides in after Phoebe's like, I see my brother-in-law mysteriously off to the side. I'm going to go have a conversation with him. And Cole just slides in. And he's like, hey, bro, I can sense evil emanations coming off you, bro. I'm going to kick your ass, bro. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. If Cole wasn't stomping all over Phoebe's boundaries, I would kind of love the way that he was like, yeah, I know we're not together, but I'm still going to run interference for you while you do your witch stuff. But that's not what's going on here. I would really like it if, instead of stomping all over her boundaries, he was just, like, running in the same circles she was because he is, in fact, a magical person. And then, like, he just backed her up whenever they ran into each other. And she was like, I don't need your help. And he's like, well, I also have shit to do. Like, if he was living his own life and just working in a circle where he was coming into contact with Phoebe, I feel like that's the real way to go with him. But whatever. Instead, he's got to be a creepy stalker. But Leo tells... The thing is, the thing is about that, Cole was totally willing and ready and able to leave town before Paige, you know, ran up to him and was like, please, you have to help us make Phoebe not be a mermaid anymore. Oh, yeah. So he he knows. He knows how she feels about him. Yeah. like, Like, Paige cast that empathy spell, which convinced him not to leave, so... I guess this is Phoebe's feelings towards Cole being reflected back or something? Yeah, but you're, or... still, you're still not allowed to stomp all over people's stated boundaries, even if you know that 
you know, they quote unquote don't really feel that way. That's that's not cool. Yes. So Leo tells Phoebe what's going on with Paige and she, he's he's bringing her back to the manor, but he's like, don't worry, the, the, the dwarves are taking care of it. It's no big deal. MBD. So we come back to the manor where Piper is preparing to defend herself against the wolf with the huntsman's axe, which I that's kind what, of love. No, that's, that's so perfect. That's so perfect. You know, That's the kind of shit we would see in Once Upon a Time. Yeah. And the Grams wolf is like, why do you think a wolf's going to come after you? And, and Piper holds up the cloak and she's like, because I have the cloak. I'm obviously supposed to be Little Red Riding Hood. Grams. How does she... She... How does she not know? She she understands enough to know that there's a wolf, but not enough to realize that it's the woman who's obviously been trying to eat her for the whole, like, last 20 minutes. The thing I love is she goes upstairs because she's like, I'm, I'm going to get ready. I'm going to hold myself up in the attic and I'm going to have all my offensive magic at the ready. Come with me, Grams. Come with me into my defensive stronghold. We'll be safe together there alone. And one, one of the little people says to another one, does she know that's a wolf? And the other one's like, not our business, which... Uh. Yes, I love that. They're like, that is not our story. Like, we have our story, which is this girl that we've put in a glass coffin. We need to focus on this, because she doesn't have a prince, and I don't know how, how we're going to get off the clock. I mean, it does kind of suck for them that they're, they have the magical ability to preserve corpses, and, like, it only comes up in this kind of situation. Like, you have to imagine, like, you have a day job, obviously, because... No one's paying you for this mythic destiny, but your mythic destiny is to essentially pop ladies into a magical crisper. So those like glass coffins, they also use those on saints because one of the one of the miracles that evidences that you are a saint in the Catholic religion is that you die, but your body does not decompose. Mm -hmm. So there are some glass coffins around with the bodies of saints that purportedly have not uh, decayed, Mm -hmm. decayed pronounced that weird just now anyway uh that have not properly donkey konged so uh i don't know maybe they get called in for that too oh you're gonna have the catholic church after you the church has to approve that sort of thing right the church does it yeah yeah that, that's what i mean like the church is in charge of yeah 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 there's there are yeah it's it's a whole thing unsurprisingly there's a whole bureaucracy around this particular catholic thing i actually saw one when i was in rome yeah yeah i i went to a a few reliquaries because it's a cool thing to do when you're in an old country Uh uh-huh i do have to say like this saint who's supposedly did not decay Mm -hmm. i'm like it really just looked mummified to me i'm like we we know about mummies, right? Cause that's basically what looks like happened here. But okay, sure, Jan. <laughs> and by Jan, I mean the whole Catholic Church. Now the Catholics are gonna come after me. It's okay. It's fine. I'm Catholic. I can say it. Okay. And I'm an American Catholic, so I'm required to say it. You went to Catholic school, even. I did go to Catholic school. So back at the ball, uh, Phoebe is telling prince guy that she has to go and he's like is it because of cole because i can just have cole killed and cole walks out and phoebe clocks him and she's like that's for putting my sister in a magic coma poor cole poor cole and and cole like goes to go after her because she storms out and and she brings adam prince with her yeah and leo dude blocks him and 
Cole's like, you know this is bullshit, right? You Like, you know I'm not the one who's doing all of this magic stuff. Cole also points out to Leo, he's like, you know that guy's evil, right? And Leo's like, what are you then? And it's like, also evil? Like, what? Cole is very upfront about who he is, Leo. This isn't a big gotcha moment. Yeah, like, maybe pay attention to the fact that Cole is obviously not behind this, and that dude could not have more obviously been under mind control. Like, come on, get your ass in the game, Leo. Speaking of... Getting your ass in the game. Yeah, and things that could not be more obvious. Piper's up in the attic reading the story of <laughs> Little Red Riding Hood out loud, and I kind of love how this is this is shot like a horror movie, and it so mirrors the idea of, like, not reading out loud from the Necronomicon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's reading from from the fairy tale book, and the Grams wolf is doing all of the wolf's lines. And Piper's like, geez, Grams, you're so into this all of the, oh no, a wolf. And then we see Grams eat her, except it's done like GoPro style from the POV of, of the grandmother. So those are the two ways that we see the wolf eat someone. Through a really bad silhouette and by zooming in really hard on Holly Marie Combs' face. Okay, I want to point out, maybe not in this episode. No, no, in this episode, we see her make a potion. Although I know that's not an act of power thing, but we know that Grams, when she physically corporealizes, even actually when she's a ghost, she still has her telekinesis. Why didn't either she or Piper try to use their powers when they were being attacked by the wolf? Was it because no one was there to tell them to use their yes, powers? Yes, that's why. Okay, let's talk about the fate of Phoebe. Phoebe, Phoebe <laughs> has turned into a pumpkin. It's the best thing. And not just turned into a... I love this episode so much. Not just turned into a pumpkin, but, like, it is currently the stroke of midnight, so the evil, hypnotized Adam Prince he shoves her, shoves her into the carriage. So that when he it... tosses her into the carriage. So that when it turns into a pumpkin, she is also pumpkinified. So. And then the evil queen is looking at all this happened in the mirror and is like, Aha! My evil plan has come together perfectly! I win! I win! Sorry, we just watched uh, The Sword in the Stone with uh, our, with our daughter, so I've got the Mad Madam Mim in my head when she's <laughs> like, I win! Which, I mean, yeah, Piper's inside a wolf, Phoebe's inside a pumpkin, Paige's inside a coma. <laughs> Now, you'll never guess, but when he shoved her inside the carriage, one of her shoes fell off. Wah-wah. I, I can't keep saying it, but this this is a very wah-wah-able episode. So, Adam Prince goes to smash the pumpkin. He picks it up, and he holds it over his head, and Cole's like, What you doing there, buddy? He says, I have to smash it, or the witch will kill me. And Cole's like, well, if you smash it, I'm going to kill you. So, sucks to be you, I guess. What are you going to do? So, he decides that for some reason... I mean, I guess because she actually showed magic. And is actively mind-controlling him. So I, I think it's not just a matter of, like, she's threatening him, but I think she's also controlling him to some extent. Yeah. He tries to smash the pumpkin, but Cole just freezes him, and he's like, Haha, suck it, Piper. Guess who can freeze now? And he scoops up the pumpkin, unfreezes Adam Prince, punches him in the face, and is like, well, that's a whole thing. He, he has the worst line ever, which he I does. love. Because he does. It's, it's so terrible. Hands off my pumpkin. Oh my god, what is even happening? <laughs> Meanwhile, Leo is threatening a wolf with an axe. He's screaming at the wolf. He's like, where's my wife? Which, okay, can you sense where Piper is? Or did you just come home and... Oh. 
Good question. I don't know. It doesn't matter. He Leo's not doing a great job white lightering this episode. He is not. He brandishes the axe at the wolf, but I feel like this is just for keeping the special effects cheap reasons. Well, the wolf the wolf makes a mad dash towards the book of fairy tales, but mid leap explodes. Presumably explodes because of the power of the axe that. No, it's Piper. Piper blows him up from the inside. Oh, I thought that it was only able to happen because of the axe, though. No. Leo's like, what happened? And Gramps is like, Piper blew him up from the inside. Took her long enough, though. Yeah, it did. Which, I mean, on one hand, ungrateful, but on the other hand, yeah. Cole comes in and he, he's got the Phoebe pumpkin and he's like, guys, I swear I didn't do this. <laughs> so... Now Piper's going to go fight the evil witch so that the pumpkin will turn back into Phoebe. And also Paige won't be in a coma anymore. Right, Paige To a too. lesser degree, Paige. But only fairy tales can go into the fairy tale book, so she has to put on the red cloak. But unlike eating the apple or putting on the shoes, it doesn't cause her to actually transform. Now she's just wearing a Party City cape. Yeah. She's like, I knew I had to put on this stupid thing. No transform. You couldn't come up with a fun little red riding hood outfit for Holly Marie Combs. I know, what are we doing here? Honestly, like, this whole thing is phoning it in because she goes into well, the book. I do want to, I do want to, okay, before, before we get into that, just really quickly, it's such a great little moment. Graham's, because uh, she puts on the cloak so she will be a fairy tale creature and thus able to travel through the book. Uh-huh. And Graham's tells her, go show her who the most powerful witch of all is. Which I feel like is a really nice passing the torch moment from Grams to Piper. That is really nice. Holly Marie Combs is not into it though. Actually, she throws she throws that potion like they made her come in on her day off. The weird thing is that kind of is what makes this moment land for me because the the evil queen's flipping out because she's like, "Tell me they're all dead," and the guy's like, "No, because none of them are dead." One's in a pumpkin, one's in a coma, and the other one's right over there! And Piper is just kind of leaning on a wall, and she's like, Hi! And then she just kind of offhandedly tosses a potion at the evil queen who, like, melts into goo, because fairy tale. And she actually screams, I'm melting! I'm melting! Wizard of Oz is not a fairy tale, it is a book written by Frank L. Baum, but whatever, L. Frank Baum. Well, I mean, yes. Yeah, but also I feel like we kind of squeak in little mermaid too and that's a story by hans christian anderson so yeah so and and speaking of he he gives the the apprentice guy voips out of the mirror and uh piper's like so are my sister still dead and he's like no all of uh all of the magic that she cast has been undone except for cinderella's slipper she hasn't found her happy ending yet also my master's still dead because piper's like that guy over there still a corpse. Well, he, and, and the apprentice is like, yeah, because she slit his throat. We didn't mention how she killed him earlier. He's <laughs> like, all of her magic got undone. She just slit his throat. But that's just the circle of apprenticeship. Now this guy's the new fairy tale watcher. Yeah, he he gets a Klingon promotion moment where he's like, now who's going to be the keeper of the stories? And Piper's like, you, I guess. And so he gives Piper a pair of ruby slippers, which, mm, yeah. They were silver in the book, and also, W, no, WB doesn't own the rights to the to the MGM one. Like, the ruby slippers are the MGM Wizard of Oz's thing. 
They were silver in the book. If you're doing a public domain Oz adaptation, they have to be silver. They have to be silver. Although I'm sure there, I'm sure there are ones out there that do ruby because. Yeah, well, because that rights thing is kind of a nightmare yeah, situation, which is, is why you can't see the Wizard of Oz streaming anywhere. The uh, obviously the Judy Garland one. You can see the earlier one for free on YouTube. You shouldn't. It's horrifying. And it would be really hard to tell that it was the Wizard of Oz if it didn't tell you that right off the bat. Yes, that is accurate. Like, it has almost nothing from the books. And if you are only familiar with the uh, the Judy Garland movie, it has nothing from that either. But isn't that, like, that's how they used to do movies. Yeah, like, you just get the title and then you do whatever. So... Piper uses the ruby slippers to go home, and then as soon as she's home, they disappear because they, they need to be returned to the library of fairy tales. Again, I really enjoy the, uh, you know, she she teleports home, and then we get a close shot of her with the slippers, and then the slippers disappear, and she goes from being in heels to, like, flop. It, it's such a little touch, but it really sells the special effect of the shoes disappearing, mm-hmm. that her heels are up and then they go down. Yeah, yeah. So gramps is like what took you so long and piper's like shut the fuck up grams okay okay no i actually <laughs> like her moment with grams because grams is like oh we're doing wizard of oz okay the power was in you the whole time <laughs> and then piper's like blow it out your ass grams and grams makes this like oh expression and phoebe's like piper's back shut up phoebe this wasn't your plot I mean, it kind of was, because she's the only one whose plot doesn't get resolved, right? Cinderella still hasn't found her happy ending. She mentions to Grams, she's like, I barely got to see you. And Grams is like, so what? I come back from the dead all the time. This sounds like a jokey thing that we're saying, but she literally says, so what? I come back from the dead all the time. And This week I was here to connect with Paige, who I never really connected with because I made my daughter give her up for adoption. But Paige, Paige gives me the thumbs up before Leo drops me off in heaven, so I know we're cool now. Suck it, Phoebe. I don't think I'm ever getting a plot with you. I'm, I'm more hung up on how Phoebe finding her Prince Charming is, like, gonna be a plot for the rest of the show now. I mean, I guess it always has been. Yeah, but it's... It's like that, it's like that meme with the, with the spaceman, right? With the guy pointing the gun All at the All of astronaut. a sudden, it's about Phoebe having to find true love. Always has been. Well, the first Cupid episode, back in, like, season two, was about her getting magical intervention so she won't give up on love. Yeah, and then we'll get another episode like that in oh, season... Oh, we'll get, like, 7,000 episodes like that. It's her perpetual plot for the rest of the show. But, yeah, Cole is there, and Piper straight up abandons Phoebe with him. Piper's like, well, you two probably want to talk. And Phoebe's like, no, he's evil. And Piper's like, don't care, going up to the attic. Phoebe's like, hey, sorry, I guess you didn't sick fairy tales on us or whatever. And he's like, it's okay, I am evil, so it makes sense that you thought it was me. I lost your trust a long time ago, and... I want you to know that you can still trust men. And she's like, I don't know if I can ever trust men. And he's like, don't let that be something I took from you, Phoebe. He also tells her, hey, hey, don't don't take this out on Adam. He was being mind controlled by an evil witch. And it's like, okay, yeah, but I'm a charmed one. 
when am I going to be with somebody who's not being mind controlled by the source of all evil or an evil witch or what have you? Yeah. Body swapped with the ugliest demon in the underworld. Oh my God. Literal plot that's going to happen. It's a literal plot point that she's the ugliest demon in the underworld. So Cole teleports her to the room from Twin Peaks where the ball was taking place. The red room. Yes. And he's like, why don't you go fuck that guy? Because he's still holding her shoe. Yeah, and he's like, look, Phoebe, I don't want you to give up on love because someday I hope that you'll love me back. But I also have to be cool with you maybe not loving me back. So I'm letting you go by letting you, by teleporting you here and telling you to go fuck that dude. He's just hoping Adam will keep her warm until he can win her love back. Ugh. So Phoebe's like, thanks, Cole. I will go bone that guy. And Cole's like, could have been the source of all evil. I don't think I've told, I don't think I've said this on the podcast, but I went through a run in college where I dated like three guys in a row who were all really into feet. And I was like, is that just a thing that all guys are into? And it's just like this secret that guys don't tell that like all guys are really, really into feet. It turns out no. I, I don't think, unless guys I've been with since then are really good liars, but yeah. No, uh, although I, I I knew a girl who was doing a performance art thing back in college about fetishes, mm-hmm. and I learned a lot of interesting stuff. For example, that the foot fetish is the most common fetish. I mean, that makes sense. It's it's real like easy. Mo- the vast majority of people have feet. It's it's a it's a low barrier of entry. Yeah, it's something you don't see all the time, but you can see under certain circumstances. Like I I. I am not a foot person, but I guess I understand why other people might be. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like fennel. I don't care for it, but I understand why it's popular in some circles. I'm sorry. Uh, charmed. So, uh, yeah. Uh, obviously, I brought up the foot fetish because because <laughs> Adam is gonna put the shoe on her foot and it's gonna be like oh it fits it fits i guess so is the apprentice guy just down a glass slipper now or what no i assume after that happens that it it goes back to that it disappears just like the ruby slippers did okay so uh yeah that's it for this episode the ending is a little bit of a letdown because it's well i mean it's 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 not a letdown anymore than any uh anything else that happened in the episode was it's just as like weird and well i meant the whole ending on a cole phoebe thing yeah like i i'm already tired of the cole phoebe dynamic this season and we're three episodes in yeah that is a problem but overall this is one of my favorite episodes of charmed it's really fun to watch i know we talked about a lot of stuff that wasn't it but that I, I mean honestly i feel like not only not only if i come around when we we're talking about it, i was like okay i did enjoy the episode it might it might be good there might be some good stuff happening it's not like the best episode but okay it's it's pretty good it's yeah. a pretty good episode yeah, it's I, a lot. I, I'm like being forced to admit that it's a pretty good episode. Is as as uh, ridiculous as it is. 
You know what it is in a kind of weird way? Hmm. There's a guy called Chuck Austin who has an infamous run on the X-Men. Uh-huh. Like, it's not a particularly long run, but it has stuff like an evil ex-nun comes up with a plan to make Nightcrawler Pope and then trigger a false rapture using exploding communion wafers. Okay, yes, I, I remember that vaguely, yes. Uh, there's an offshoot of mutants that are wolves that share a psychic connection. Romeo and Juliet, but with rednecks in mech suits and mutants instead of Cap- Capulets and Montagues. Whole bunch of weird stuff with Havoc. Uh, Nurse Annie, like, his run was famously bad. But the thing is, it, it's not well written. It's an, it's very enjoyable to read. And also, it's a lot more memorable than a lot of better written, but, you know, forgettable X-Men stories out there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you'd rather be, and it's better, it's better with this kind of stuff to be wild and out there and interesting than run-of-the-mill and place setting and, okay, whatever. Yeah. All right, much like the Charmed Ones, we have our own power of three. The first power in our pack is Premonitions, who in this episode is, was, or will become famous. The- the guy who played Adam Prince looked really vaguely familiar. Is there anything I would I, w- I was going to say he's by far the most famous person who was in this episode. Wait, maybe by far might be too, might be going too far. Um, but yeah, he's uh, he's one of the titular Boondock Saints and Boondock Saints. Oh, he's young Indiana Jones in young Indiana Jones TV series. Uh, he's powder in the movie powder. He wow. was. Yeah, this guy was really famous for a short period of time. Yeah, he really was. So, yeah, that's, uh, did I say his name? It's Sean Patrick Flannery. Yeah, you you didn't, but, yeah. And um, all of the people who played little people, well, not all of them, but most of the actors who were the seven dwarves are um, people you will recognize because they are actors who play those roles a lot. Yeah. I kind of, uh, again, I did no research for this. The woman who played the evil queen felt very used to be in a soap opera or something e uh she did horror movies also she's like in one she did a bunch of horror movies and then also was in like one episode of a bunch of tv shows like suburgatory and glee and uh things like that okay weird she she had a real like we got someone who used to be on dark shadows to be a character vibes Mm. But I guess she was just kind of a brassy, I don't want to say older dame. I do want to say older dame. That's why I said it, even though that's probably not a good descriptor of her. She has real someone who used to be famous feel, even though apparently she wasn't. Yeah, no. She feels like um, Lily from My Lucky Star. Yes. To have a very specific reference not a lot of people will get. You should read My Lucky Star. It's a really fun... We have so many recommendations in this episode. We do. It's a really fun book about uh, about Hollywood. I mean, I guess it's weird to say that she doesn't... That she isn't 
that famous. She has 157 credits. Mm. It's just that they're all one or two episodes on a bunch of different TV shows. But, I mean, she's worked pretty steadily. And if you see her, you will recognize her because you've seen at least one of these things, you know? Yeah. It's nothing to turn up your nose at. Yeah. And especially, like, all of the all of the, the standbys, right? Like, Bones. <laughs> West Wing. You know, all of the, all of the, Jag. Mm. God, Jag. Uh, also, she was one of the matriarchs in the movie Pizza My Heart. One of the two, one of the two Romeo and Juliet, but set in a pizza restaurant movies. Was she the one who wasn't Andrea Martin, or was Andrea Martin in the other one? I don't. Okay, you know what? Let's move on to the second power in our pack, Time Freeze. What specifically dated this episode? I think you hit it on the head, the whole, like, we're going to talk about fairy tales in a kind of deconstruction-y way. Yeah, I mean, like I said, like I said when we were at that part, the I wanted to save it for Time Freeze, but there was so much to talk about. Basically, Time Freeze kind of encapsulates this whole episode. Yeah, yeah, Paige's second wave feminism critique of classic fairy tales we're, we were in a post-Shrek world at this point. Yeah, yeah. Happily Never After was a result of the post-Shrek boom. I feel like I forgot to say that earlier when we were talking about it. But no, maybe you, I did. Didn't. you did. Okay. Okay, but yeah, this was a huge thing after Shrek, which people say that Shrek has aged well. I really don't think it has, but that might just be me. I guess I'd have to rewatch it to see. I don't know. It's like one of those things where you're like, I understand why this was popular at the time. But like, you go back and it's not as tightly written as you think. Or you know. I mean, I think it had a killer use of uh, pop music. Yes. In a way that George Lucas could only dream of doing with his magnum opus, Strange Magic. Love Strange Magic. I do. I do love Strange Magic. But it... It want it wanted to be able to use pop music the way Shrek does. Yeah. And it, it did not get there. But it had its own virtues that were different. Yes. What if a Midsummer Night Stream wasn't <laughs> was a rock opera with cartoon fairies? I mean I guess you know what I mean. It was it was amazing. Sugar pie, honey bunch. Yeah, you know what? I enjoy it. A lot of people rag on that movie, and uh, again, it is people, genuinely a bad movie. People but... rag on that movie without having seen it. They rag on it just knowing the conceit of the movie. And the fact that it has, like, 25 songs in it. They have not enjoyed the, like, the weird fever dream that that movie is. Yeah, that's the thing about trying to retrofit a Shakespeare play into a musical with with that ma- with that many a jukebox musical with that many songs although the thing that you're describing could also be and juliet which i understand is incredible mm. by from, several people have said it's incredible obviously we haven't gone to new york and seen it because we have a small child um but and my mother also just saw it and loved it mm. um it's it's on my list of things i want to see yes uh, I believe those would be the main things that would date this uh, episode. Yes. yes. Sadly, very rich people buying media conglomerates for their own wicked ends is something that is relevant to this day. Boo. Yeah. Boo, boo to that concept, not to you saying it. It's just, <laughs> it's true, but they shouldn't say it. That'll take us to our last segment, telekinesis. What, if anything, genuinely moved you? 
I mean, I feel very rooted to the spot. I feel like, I feel like this is a, this is an episode that did well upon examination. Like the more that we examined it, the more there was that I wanted to talk about and dig into, but that's all intellectual. Nothing emotionally moved me to go, oh, this is a great episode. So it's only after talking about it that I'm like, okay, yeah, this is a good episode. Okay, it it got me the the bit where Grams tells Piper to show the evil queen who the most powerful witch of all is. It got me. I, I just I love Piper stepping into this role. So weirdly, so often in Charmed, this segment comes down to whatever Holly Marie Combs has decided it should be that week, hmm. and it really felt to me like Holly Marie Combs was phoning it in this week. So it's like that moment might have landed better for me if Holly Marie Combs had been more committed to it. Oh, no. I, I 100% am laying that at the feet of Jennifer Rhodes. Yeah. So I think that's it for this week. Yeah, I think that'll about do it. I've been so anticipating this episode, I don't even know what's next. What's next after this episode? That's a rhetorical question. I'm going to look it up. Okay, so next time we're talking about Siren's Song. Oh, What yeah. a run! What a run, Charmed! Uh, this episode, according to the Peacock summary, a siren captivates Cole. Piper and Leo's unborn baby plays a trick on them. <laughs> yeah. 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 I am legitimately surprised nobody becomes a siren in that episode. But, yeah. I know, right? I, I, I'm ready to talk about that. Honestly, I've been really enjoying season five this far. I... Actually, I'm too. I, I think it might be the off-the-rail season of my dreams. Yeah, because this this is the season that has witches in tights. Like that's the ep- that's the next episode after the sirens episode. Like what a run, charmed! What a run! Yeah, this is before we get all that boring as hell Avatar oh. stuff. Although they are introduced this season. This is the episode where Brad Kern was just allowed to do whatever the hell he wanted. Okay, I said I wasn't. I I didn't say to you. I I in my head wasn't going to mention it because I've already mentioned them and. Mm. It's not relevant to what we're talking about now, but as you know, Buffy the Gilmore Slayer, yeah. they do the Meanwhile on Charmed segment where they describe the plot of Charmed based only on the IMDb summaries because they haven't watched it, mm-hmm. and they're on the Avatar season right now, oh. and their descriptions of what's happening are shockingly accurate as opposed to the other descriptions they've done. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's pretty much the Avatar plot. <laughs> Good job. Good job, Brian and Stacey. Alright, I think that's it for us. Yeah, I think that'll about do it. Our show's partially listener-supported. If you want to be one of our supporters, you should head over to our website, www.welcometotelevision.net, and click on our Patreon link. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Rosa, Ryan, Maracruz, Benjamin, Kate, Jen, Dan, and Anthony. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you could always rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode, or any episode, or any episode of any television show... You can tweet at us at I love TV zines, or you can email us at I love television zines at gmail.com. And as soon as I get an invite, I will move us over to Blue Sky as well. So until next time, I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And this has been Welcome to the Hollowell Manor. <laughs> <laughs>